I'm a firm believer that failure is the greatest teacher ever. So I learned from all my mistakes right off the bat of what not to do. I'm Leslie LaPage, the director of the LaFemme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for everyone who wants to learn about making content for TV and film, learning the dirty little secrets, and meeting these new inspirational filmmakers and people who create content in the film and entertainment industry. I want to welcome today Max Moscato, who is awesome. He's actually an American singer, songwriter, guitarist, uh, producer. Now he's a writer. He's toured and open for Citizen Cope, Theory of a Dead Man, Aaron Carter, so many more. He's also the founder of Rock Autism Music Festival. We're going to talk about that too, because it's really important to you know, who he is. He's the creator and writer of a new TV show, Set List, and a feature film called Sunny Boy. So welcome, Max. <laughs> okay, so how on earth, who, where, where did you get the, the, the musical bug? You know, when did that bite you? Oh, yeah. Um, well, first, thanks for having me, Leslie. I'm pumped about this. Um, so anyway, yeah, I have been a musician my entire life. I literally came out of the womb with drumsticks. My dad, he was a professional drummer, and he was in uh, philharmonic orchestras and symphonies his entire life. So he gave me drumsticks at a very young age. And then I found, I discovered guitar around 12. And my, my dad taught me one, yeah, he taught me one song, Smoke on the Water, which is like every guitarist's first song. And then I just kind of ran with it, and I've been doing it ever since. Did you find it was, did you find it a challenge that, you know, your father was so successful uh, that you were maybe competing against him? Or did you just fall in love with drumming and, and kind of let that take you? No, not at all. You know, my dad had a very passive way of going about music. And he, his biggest thing, anytime anybody in our family or friends always asked, like, why aren't you giving him lessons? Why aren't you pushing him? My dad, his philosophy was he's got to find his way. And if he really wants it, he will pursue this full time and make it his life. And that's exactly what I did. And music has been the only foundation I've had in my life that truly is my therapy. It helps me. It's who I am. But uh, it was it was funny. There was a time when I was drumming so much that I was competing my dad. Like we would have drum offs. And I think there was a time when I was just there with him. And he, he he'd never admit it, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that's funny well you started segueing into guitar and then started singing and performing so what was that transition when did that happen and, and how was that for you so when i found guitar i i i loved it so much that i became consumed by it and i remember the first like three songs that i learned every single guitar part for were acdc back in black the Eagles, Hotel California, and Dream On by Aerosmith. I learned every single guitar part front to back. It took me forever because this is at the time, like everybody nowadays, they can go to YouTube and Ultimate Guitar is kind of one of the standards for guitar tabs. I started out at the, uh, when, when that stuff really wasn't around and you, you just had to listen to the song over and over and over again, but then tabs started to come out but they weren't nearly as perfected as they are now. So it's uh, it's like that old uh, like saying, it's like 
you just lock yourself away in your room and play for hours and hours and hours like Steve Vai and Joe Satriani, all those guys. That's exactly what they did. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and, and great guitarists and great songs to really learn and get your footing on. Oh, my gosh, right? Um, so, so during that period where you locked yourself in the room, I'm sure during your adolescent, I've got a, I've got a 14 year old actor singer. Um, so I understand where they just lock themselves in the room. They go knock, don't come in. You have to knock. Um, yeah. Cause you'll disrupt it. You'll disrupt the creative flow and everything. <laughs> I will totally disrupt it. So where did this, um, passion kind of led you into, um, becoming this founder of, well, first of all, let's, let's, let's jump back. So then you started opening, right. For these amazing groups. I mean, can you tell us some stories about your experience, you know, opening for these really, um, iconic, you know, newer bands, right. As you, as you grew up through the ranks. Totally. You know, it took me a while to get there. It took me a long time to actually have the confidence to perform my own music out too, because like when it comes to musicians, like we're putting ourselves out there and, and what we say is a reflection of our deepest fears and insecurities a lot of times. So if people aren't, if people aren't connecting you with that, it's really, it's rough. So I, I did the cover scene. I was playing the bars for years and years and years until one day I just decided I want to start doing my originals. So I did. And fortunately, they, people gravitated to them right, right away. So I, I climbed through the ranks in, in my cities and the surrounding cities. And then I slowly got the attention of the promoters in my city where I'm from, which is uh, Buffalo, New York. And I kind of went against the grain as, as far as like what you're supposed to do as a musician. I, I honestly said, I'm not going to do this like monotonous game of playing over and over again, becoming friends with all these musicians and everything. I went straight to the promoters. I went straight to the people that own these places. And I said, Hey, like, this is the music business. I can help you make business or I can help your business make money. And that's like, that's kind of like was my approach. And every single one of them actually respected that. And I said, I have a marketing plan. I have a business plan. So let's, let's partner and do a show that will make us both money. And one of the, one of the big promoters in our city, he was originally one of the uh, first managers of the Google Goo dolls and they're from Buffalo, New York, which was cool. So after the first show I did with him, he sat me down and he's like, this is the type of mindset you have to have going into this industry. And if you ever want to make it, you have to understand it's business first. This is a money oriented industry. He's like, you can still follow your dreams and you can still be true to yourself and who you are because authenticity rules and people will naturally gravitate to that. But if you don't have a business mindset first, you're not going to make it. So that's what I did. And that actually didn't vibe with the musician culture in Buffalo. And I, I, I became an outcast and I was okay with that because I didn't want to be the musician in that city that was well known. I wanted to tour and I wanted to become like the first Max Moscato. Right. So, um, once that started happening and I started charting my own path, we slowly learned the industry on like who to call, who to connect with, how far in advance you need to call per show because I'd be calling these places and they're like, oh, we already have an opener or we already booked for that night. So I'm like, ah, how far in advance do you need to call? So it became like six months to a year 
you should call and like, hey, I'm on your radar. I just wanted to get on your radar. Consider me for blah, blah, blah. And like once a month, once every two months, just send them some information. And then ultimately we got our first opportunity for opening for a huge band was uh, Theory of a Dead Man. And it was so awesome. We got an encore and we were, we were no names. And it was like one of the first moments that I was like, I can do this. I think this is going to be my life. So it's been a, it's been a wild ride. That's really, really fascinating. But, but, but how did you figure out the marketing plan? How did you figure out the, the proposal? Uh, you know, did you, and how did you kind of master the procedure to kind of break into those promoters soliciting yourself as the product? Yeah, because it's really difficult what you did, right? So I want people to listen and go, oh my gosh, if he can do it, I can do it. So what were the steps you took? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first things that I started to do were all wrong. Everything I was doing was wrong because I was trying to mimic other people that had multiple people on their team doing everything. So my manager has this ongoing joke that she's like, Max always dives into it way harder than he should, and he messes everything up. And I'm like, which is, it's true. It is really true. But I'm a firm believer that failure is the greatest teacher ever. So I learned from all my mistakes right off the bat of what not to do. So I slowly started to, uh, I, I started to pick bands who, who I'm in their genre with and then what I wanted to like emulate and replicate. And then I started to look at how they're releasing, where they're touring, who their connections are, what management companies. And I would just start to go down the roster of those companies and see, okay, what are they doing? Um, and then I started to go, and this is when Facebook and Instagram was really starting to become like a business where marketing is the thing. And so many musicians that I know and so many creatives, let's say, they don't understand. You can have the greatest song in the world, but if nobody knows about it, it doesn't matter. So marketing, I learned that marketing yourself is like 80% of the battle. And that's when I started to up my social media. And again, like social media has always been like my Achilles heel um, because I never really had such a presence, but I was getting opportunities that I'm opening for, um, for a massive band that has a couple million followers and their last opener they had had 100,000 followers and I only have like 5,000. So it's like, I'm going against the grain and just doing something different, but that worked for me, you know? So as far as the promoters, <laughs> I was like a mosquito, you know, they were so annoyed by me. It's like, I just kept on knocking on their door. Eventually, like, some, like they just admired the persistence and drive where I was doing it, where it, it got annoying, but it was, I was uh, giving them results. And I was giving them like, look, if you take initial investment in me, just, in, just a small one, it's going to pan out because I'm not going to stop. And slowly but surely, all the promoters in town, they ended up partnering with me and doing shows. And that's how we got our start and going to other cities just by word of mouth, you know, like work with this person. He's, he's a really good guy. He'll take care of you. And that's, that's what it boils down to as well as the reputation, your reputation in this kind of industry, because it's a very like closed off and everybody knows everybody. So if you get flagged, you're going to have a hard time getting out of that pit. So what were the marketing steps that you did once you got a, a gig to ensure, you know, the promoters loved you 
you know, obviously the talent of you performing was handled, right? But what were the what were the steps you took to to really bring eyeballs to you opening for that band? Yeah, absolutely. So I would have like a couple phases. Like the first one was just like boots on the ground, call everybody you know, say, hey, please share this post. You want to go hang flyers with me? Like I'll, I'll buy you food for the day if we can just walk the main city and just hang up everything. So that was like phase one. Phase two, then I would start to get the social media promotion together. I'd have my contact or my graphic design artist put together stuff. And it was it was kind of predominantly me doing all of the social media stuff at that time and just like pictures. So then um, my third phase was actually contacting the radio stations. And I was fortunate enough to be friends with um, the president of Cumulus Radio back in Buffalo. And it's so funny, again, Buff the where I'm from, and I'm sure most cities operate like this. Everybody knows everybody within that industry. I am such a huge fan of stand-up comedy that I would go to stand-up comedy all the time. And it turns out that the president of the radio station was a comedian. So without even knowing, I was friends with him just as a comedian. And then he he randomly said, he's like, wait a second, are, I've been seeing your stuff. You never told me. And I was like, I didn't even know you were the president. Like, it was just kind of that weird thing. So... So then I would start doing the uh, the radio campaigns, and um, then I then on a weekly basis I would send the promoters like here's what I'm doing, here's what I've been investing, and then once I got comfortable enough to work with them, I'd be like, what are you guys putting in? Like, because clearly I'm doing my side of things, but you need to help me out and market your company too. You know, it it's really phenomenal because you took a very grassroots, what can I do, no money approach and, and really expanded your following. And, and that probably ingratiated you to these hardened <laughs> promoters, these hardened professionals um, who were like, get what is this guy doing? Why is this guy calling me again? Um, but they worked for you, which is great. Um, but now you took this big leap forward. I mean, you know, granted, after you had uh, opened for all these uh, bands and you are the founder of Rock Autism Music Festival. Let's talk a little bit about who inspired this in your life. Um, I know it's very personal to you and how that leap came uh, about for you. Sure, absolutely. I love talking about this because it has become like part of who I am, our family, especially the music. Um, everything is encapsulated with like my brother, Sonny Moscato. That's where the inspiration came from. So Sonny is, um, Sonny is my older brother. He's two years older than me. He's, he has autism and a couple other things he's been diagnosed with. Um, but basically, for a long time, he was in the assisted living. He was in the system, you know, the New York State Disability System, OPWDD, all that stuff. So at the time, autism really was, it was not what it is today. It was not well known. So in the assisted living facilities, we found out that he was getting physically and mentally abused all the time. And after 18, after 18, a lot of these organizations, they're just saying, peace, done with you, can't do anything. So Sonny ended up becoming friends with the wrong people. Now Sonny, he's very high functioning, right? And he's very, um, he's very honest and impressionable. So very, he became friends with the wrong kind of people where we're from. And we didn't live in the best area. 
So he became friends with criminals and drug dealers. Eventually, he became a, a drug mule for some of the dealers. And then he was actually dealing these drugs. And then he became an addict. And then he was incarcerated for committing some of these crimes that all these criminals, they would use him as a patsy and, and the donkey to take the fall. And then ultimately, in 2013, he was shot by a drunk corrections officer trying to defend a drug dealer that didn't care about him at all, right? So that was that was the moment we thought everything was going to turn around, but it didn't. It kept on getting worse and worse. And then we were asking ourselves, like, why is this happening? And when you mix uh, addiction, mental abuse, physical abuse, and autism, like, that's taboo. You know, people don't really know how to fix it or what to do. So we decided that if we're not going to do something, he's literally going to die. He's already been shot. He was stabbed. He tried committing suicide three times. And like there was this, um, I got to tell you this story. This was like one of the, one of the worst stories ever. So we didn't see, we didn't see Sonny for like three weeks. And uh, that wasn't un unusual for us. It was just kind of the way it was. So one day my dad calls me upstairs and we lived in a duplex. I'm down, he's up. Um, so, and he just shows me a picture on his phone and it's a picture of a guy hanging from a bridge. So a guy hung himself from a bridge wearing the exact same clothes that my brother wore trench coat, big black boots, black beanie. And my first reaction was, where is he? Like, where's the bridge? Like, no, because I thought it was him. I thought it was him. And my dad, my dad's like, I thought the same thing, but it's not him. And I was like, oh, geez. Um, but we had a we had an epiphany in that time. We're like, is this our life where we're constantly just going to be like, all right, he's dead. Like, that's that's what happened. So we had to do something. So it was 2017, July 1st, 2017 was the release of my first album. And my brother was actually in jail at the time. He committed a robbery with this one guy. And uh, basically he used Sonny as the, the, the patsy to take the downfall, right? So I, I asked my dad, I'm like, hey, let's do a little fundraiser for autism. Let's try and get something going, you know, spread awareness. He's like, sure. So we did it. It was great. We raised the money. And then we, and then we had a talk that night. And my dad has been on a lot of organizations, a lot of boards. He was the like top autism parent advocate for Western New York for a while. And I was like, so who are we giving this money to? And he's like, you know what? Nobody. And I was just like, oh, oh man, we're thieves. We're stealing this money. <laughs> so Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so he said, he's like, I have an idea. And my dad was the mastermind of the concept of everything well he he was more just like he was given he he had these all, all these ideas right and then i was like okay let's do it there was nothing about mu there was nothing really that involved um teaching kids music and and music software teaching kids about film teaching kids about musicals it was all music therapy based like let's get together listen to music and talk about how we feel which that's great some people need it but Sonny was always the type, I want to learn how to do this. I want music to be my career in life. So we, we had a beta test of rock autism for that entire year. And the ultimate goal was to put together a music festival for that year, which we did. And we, it happened in 2018 um, over Labor Day weekend in Ellicottville, New York. And we were successful with it. And the funny thing is, 
there's 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 kind of like this thing in the music industry if you want to start a music festival it's like you're losing money the first three years you have a music festival <laughs> right 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 that's why a lot of them pop up and then they disappear within a couple years um so we didn't we raised money our first year it was a huge success and that gave birth to our program the rock autism multimedia program where we teach the basic fundamentals of music production film production acting screenplay writing um and and we've evolved that into actually giving paid on-set internships on film sets benefit concerts and on our musical we're going to be working on sunny boy but all of that stemmed from my brother and what he went through and if he wasn't around and didn't go through that stuff rock autism would not exist so what kids are um applying participating in this program that you're then going through training and then placement where are you pulling the kids from that are participating yeah anywhere honestly like in our hometown that's our home base you know but we don't do any kind of marketing whatsoever and it's just word of mouth and every single session our class is full we ended up partnering with the right kind of companies and big companies we ended up within the first year we got sponsored by you know the buffalo sabers new era wegmans which is a huge restaurant or um, grocery store chain on the east coast and um and it was honestly just like people I knew. I was very fortunate to know really influential, powerful people in our home in, in Buffalo. And I would just call them and be like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Like, let me pick your brain. Let's grab some lunch. I just want to learn what not to do. And like I said, all the people that I knew, they were such good people that they said, this is what, this is what you should not do. And I actually listened to them because most people don't listen. You know, they're like, I, I got it. I know what I'm doing. So when it comes to Buffalo, um, it's always full. We're just getting bigger. But now we're branching across the country in Nashville, L.A., New York and Austin. And that's actually what my tour is about, too. So wherever I tour, rock autism comes, always spreading awareness with it. And you've got a tour that's currently going on. So um, just mention what that is for the listeners that want to, you know, maybe come and, and see your music and, and, you know, join, join the fun. Sure, absolutely. So um, this is our Night of Sunny Boy Hard Rock Cafe tour, and we partnered with the Hard Rock Cafe. So we're playing them all across the country. So Night of Sunny Boy is actually the documentary that I've been working on for the last couple of years about everything that we're doing, right? And it's also going to be the annual concert that, yes, it's going to be a musical, a feature film, but it's also like a, a the Night of Sunny Boy, that, that whole name is actually the name of the documentary and the, uh, the big concert that I'm working on. Sunny Boy is the feature film in the musical. So what I do Sonny Boy is the story of 2013, when my brother got shot, and when he was really hooked on drugs, when I was pursuing music. So it's a really great grassroots story, like uh, Goodwill Hunting meets like Ray and the Dirt, you know, like really raw, edgy. So what I do when I'm on tour is, um, well, that's funny, like all this stemmed from, uh, I just got bored one day and I, I just started writing like what was going on with my brother. And then it turned into... 30 pages, 50 pages. And then I was like, oh man, I'm writing a movie. And I didn't even really, I wasn't in film at that time. I was just writing because I wanted to write. And my cousin, my cousin Holly is a producer and she's worked on some really big films. 
Uh, so one summer she calls. I'm sorry to branch out, but I'll come back to the tour and everything. I'll come. Back. No, no, no. That's good. That's good. That's good. Do it. Do it. So um, I was I was touring, and she called me one summer, and she's like, "Hey, when are you free?" And I was like, uh, "This this date." Um, she's like, "Do you want to work on a Netflix movie?" And I said, "Hell yeah, I do! Like, let's do it." And it was a uh, it was a horror movie. I think it was called Mercy. That was the first movie I worked on and I was a PA and my cousin was one of the producers and it was great because everybody knew that I was ho like my Holly's cousin so like nobody ever talked down to me and I was treated like a like an actor it was so awesome so I became friends with all the people and then I told my cousin Holly I was like I want to do this I want to start doing this with you so whenever you have an opportunity call me and I, I got to work on all these films over the next couple years and that's when I started writing so I started writing what was going on with my brother and I realized like I have a feature film on my hand. So I have been working on that film the last four years. And then at that same time, all the music that I write, it stems from my brother. Like he's my muse. I'm not that great at my own emotions and diving into myself, which I'll probably need some intense psychotherapy when I'm 50. But um, <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> We all need psychotherapy when we're 50. I know. <laughs> I know, right? So Sonny became uh, my muse um, on how I write everything and relate things to my own life. But I have a great way of making it very vague where you don't know I'm talking about Sonny to where you can apply it to your own life and relate to the music. So I had a singer that used to play with me and she was in musicals and she read the script for the for Sonny Boy, and she's like, this is awesome. I love it. And she's like, you know, like, are you a fan of musicals? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, they're cool. I've seen it. I've seen a bunch. I, I love musicals. And she's like, well, and it was she was one of the first people along with my manager that said, like, this could be a musical. So literally in a month, I slapped everything together. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have a musical. I've been like... I didn't even realize I was writing this for the past like five, six years, you know? So fast forward to the tour. I told you I was coming back. Um, I, right now, what I do while I'm on tour, I am performing the beta test of the musical to people from start to finish. And I tell everybody, I'm like, this is, yeah. So it's, it's a really intimate night. It's just me and my acoustic guitar. And I start off by telling everybody, who I am, where I'm from, but what this night is really about. And I say everything about Sonny and rock autism. And then I say, tonight, I'm going to give you guys a sneak preview of the musical Sonny Boy in the form of song from me. So before each song, I say, this is the third scene in, of the first act of the musical where Sonny actually does drugs with the drug dealer. And I walk through the entire musical. And by the end of it, I have a great response from people where they're like, I haven't seen anybody do something like that ever. And some people or some people, yeah, some people will come up to me and be like, you know, like, like Pink Floyd's the wall, like that's what you're doing or like the who's top. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it just kind of like, honestly evolved into that. It is a reminiscent of that. Yeah. And I didn't even really know I was doing it um, for a couple performances. And that just kind of like fell into place. And that's our whole brand now. You know, it's so funny. I hate my brother sometimes, but if he wasn't around, 
I probably wouldn't be doing anything I'm doing. And and the feature film aspect, you've now just got a producer on board, right? Um, so can you tell us about that? <laughs> can, you, can you give us info on that, inside info? Um, so I can't say his name yet, um, but we've been, we've been collaborating and working. He's worked on some really big films. The first uh, time he read the script, he's like, I'm going to read it again. Second time he read the script, he came back. He's like, okay, I can tell that you've never done this, but you are a very good writer. He's like, the first half of the film, the second half of the film is the movie. It's amazing. The first half is what we have to tighten up. It's very like episodic. He's like, this happens, this happens. It seems like there's no story yet. So one day he sent me literally a novel of notes and I'm just like reading through everything. It took me like 20 minutes to read through all of his notes. It was nuts. So that's where we are. And I, um, I'm rewriting it. He writes, I write. So we're going back and forth with it. So I'm hoping uh, within the next year, we'll actually go be going into pre-production and getting it rolling. But on my side of things, I'm solely responsible for the musical. So I've been doing that by myself. But in partnership with Rock Autism and what we're going to be doing this fall is we're actually going to be workshopping it with our Rock Autism students back in Buffalo at uh, Villa Maria College is a partner of ours. So we get to use their facilities and that's going to be an exciting time because we've never done it. But also there's not many organizations in the country that have been doing this either. So we're going to see like, you know, we're going to be employing our autistic kids on our musical, you know, and that's just really cool. That'll be, that's a, just such a wonderful idea that you're able to facilitate kind of the fruition of their training into, you know, a finished entity. Um, but you also have a pilot on this and you're soliciting a pilot through the film festival circuit right now. Yeah. 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 So how is that going for you? <laughs> No, I, I get it. And it's so funny. I always forget that we that we have the pilot because there's so we're doing so much right now because it's not that the pilots like, hey, we're, we're done with it. But like, it's done. We made the pilot and everything. Now it's just connections, phone calls, emails. So it's always at, in the back of my head. And every now and then uh, my manager will say, hey, you got a call with this about set list. And I'm just like, about what? <laughs> she's like the pilot. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I, I just keep forgetting. So, um, the pilot was great. It's called set list. It's a loose interpretation of the feature film, Sonny boy, where I made up all these characters about, and the same deal, you know, a musician and his autistic brother, who is also the drummer in the band. And they have their washed up rock star father, who is like Jack black from school of rock. And they're all trying to make it as a band together. So we filmed the pilot. It was awesome my brother did such a phenomenal job his name we're, we're we're called the winters in the in the tv show my name is knox winter sonny's name is taz winter because he's nuts like the tasmanian devil and he did su he did such a great job as being as true and authentic to who he is because he really steals the show he is hilarious in it so Right now, we're just in that shopping circuit, like you said, contacting these festivals and just seeing who's going to take a chance on us. Um, and, you know, we're still new to this area, but we were fortunate enough to connect with some of the people like Deb, for instance. She's been such a great help. And uh, it's just same thing, grassroots type of marketing, same thing as the music career when we started all those years ago. 
have you had success landing into a festival at, you know, at this point, cause you're going through and how did you select which festivals you wanted to solicit for the pilot? You know, cause there's a, you know, I'm sure there's a strategy that you were looking at when you were, you know, selecting that list. Yeah. So the strategy we took was, all right, first off, let's see what, how many film festivals there are out there. And there's a lot, right? So then it, it's the same thing as the music festivals. Like, here are the top tiers, middle and like lower tiers. And we're like, all right, it's a shot in the dark that we're going to get like a Sundance. So let's go for these mid to lower ones and just kind of build a following through that. So that's what we started to do. But then also we started to look at inclusivity and like what what film festivals were all about that, because that's one of the main factors of who we are and the elements that we bring to the table. Uh, we had our autistic students work as crew members, and one of them was actually an additional cast member. But then we have an individual with autism as the actual star, you know, like more people are doing that but none of them have a true story that goes behind it and a, uh, an organization with it and a touring band with it like there are all these elements you know what i mean that we blended so that's what we started looking at like who's looking for uniqueness when it comes to like their pilot or their brand overall interesting and where did that land you which choices did you uh, go for so I actually don't head up that department. Uh, so I don't even know right now. I got, I have to talk to our team. We actually did um, South by Southwest. We've been there twice um, over the last two years. So I was a keynote speaker for um, one of the seminars. And we ended up meeting this one guy who um, he had a pilot episode at Sundance. And, or, I'm sorry, South by. And it got picked up by HBO. So he, we were just talking to him and we had a Zoom call later and he's he just shed some light on like, again, the uniqueness and like, what's your approach? Because 10,000 people out there have a pilot. How are you going to stand out amongst the crowd? And that, that definitely like triggered something in our brain. We're like, we got to do something that stands out, which is, again, our entire pitch is everything that we're doing we're not just a, we're not just a pilot. There's a family, an organization, a tour behind it, a mission. So we're hoping that someday somebody out there is going to be like, I take this. I know you guys are no names, but I'm going to take a shot. Where do you want to be in five years? I want to be doing exactly this on a bigger scale, as big as we can be to help out as many people as we can help out, create projects, tour all over the place, give my brother the lifestyle that he deserves. And ultimately me, it's never, it's never been a question about money, even though like, I'll probably get to that be like, oh, how much are they paying? You know, but like, um, I've always just wanted to do this, make music, make film musicals, just constantly be working. And our goal with rock autism is we've already done it. We've turned rock autism, not only into a nonprofit, but a production company, a promotions company where we're controlling our own destiny and we employ our own students on every single project that we do. So the more the merrier, we're always looking for new people to partner with, but we understand that we are still at that hustling level where we just got to keep working so hard. And eventually there's going to be, you know, that one person that's be like, I, I get it. I get what you guys are doing. I want to join. Mm -hmm. That's, that's excellent. Um, what would be a, like a piece of advice, um, for uh, somebody who's, creating music, um, somebody who's trying to 
hybrid music into film or musicals with a piece of advice that you can share to those listening in? I think the piece of advice that I would give somebody is to just be as authentic as you can be. There's a saying, an artist stops replicating and starts innovating. So when you start becoming the person you were born to be and accept it and like just accept your own demons and harness that and use it to your advantage, that's when you're that's when you got something because nobody wants to see another John Mayer, let's say. Like they want they want a new artist charting their own path that you can relate to. So be yourself. Yeah. Great, great advice for those uh, listening in. And final, what is a dirty little secret that you wish you had, you had known that you have picked up along your travels that you could share with us? Um, you know what? Honestly, it's, it's kind of what I just said. Like, don't go, don't go asking because they're, one day they're going to knock on your door and you're going to be the thing that they want. Because the more, and, and that that doesn't mean like don't market yourself, don't don't stop the hustle. But eventually, you're gonna somebody is gonna grasp onto you because they see that you're doing it. So just keep on grinding, and as long as you have a great support system and a great team behind you, you can do anything. And honestly, that's what it that's what it all boils down to. Everybody wants to just like do what they want to do with life and have fun. Excellent. Where can people? Um discover more about what you're doing, find out where the tour locations are. Why don't you uh, tell us how to follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can follow me on uh, all my social media. It's Max Moscato on all my uh, social media links. And then my website, maxmoscato.com. And as well as Rock Autism, if you want to get involved with whatever we do, bring us to your city. It's rockautism.org. And all of our social media is Rock Autism, Rock Autism Music Festival. Send us a DM. We love chatting with new people. Um, and hopefully we'll see you if you want to get involved. Excellent. Thank you so much, Max Moscato, for joining Best and Fest. Uh, for all those that want to look at the video component, you can tap into the LaFemme Film Festival YouTube channel and uh, see the video component of the podcast there. We are on all the social platforms and all the podcast platforms, so don't forget to rate us and rank us and like us and pass us on to your friends. Max, thank you so much. I am going to follow you for sure. Um, thank you for joining me on Best and Best. Best.